Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Sean Shute. The match that we'll be getting into today is 2017's Thor Ragnarok versus 2004's National Treasure. I won't ask you both, I've had some technical difficulties, so I'm well aware how we're both doing. It's a hot day out there. We're going to give the last of our energy before we settle down for the evening and uh, hopefully have a nice pod for... uh, People's Fridays. Keenan, we did Infinity War last week, so we're kind of taking a step back in the timeline to another Marvel film. Yes, sir. But alongside a Nicolas Cage film, and uh, we're fans of Nicolas Cage. Not the first time we've done Nicolas Cage on the podcast, and we unearthed a part of his career back when we spoke to David Dobkin. So uh, I, I say, say we've breathed a new life. A uh, lot of positive things to say about Nicolas Cage this week. Would you say we breathed new life into his career? Um. Are we directly responsible for the making of Pig? Maybe I not. <laughs> I feel like uh, some of the podcasts we've done, we may have inspired it. Fair. Very nice. Um, but, um, if not directly hope- responsible, should we do we deserve a thank you? Maybe. I would say at least so. Also, uh, I also met him as well. What? I didn't know if this was... Well, no, I think Alex has brought it out quite a few times. But yeah, I, I met Nicholas Cage at uh, Heathrow Airport. Uh, he's just in the same in the same queue as us. Is that, is that an is actual, actual thing? thing? Yeah, no, 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 is it? That's a legitimate thing. Because this is about the seventh different episode that Nicolas Cage <laughs> has been featured. Didn't ever want to bring that up before? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him. Did you speak to him or was you just saw him? Uh no, well like well, somewhere somewhere in between. Um so not like I shook his hand and had a full on conversation, but like saw and Gave the nod. Gave the nod, like me and Martin yeah. Keown. Gave, yeah, yeah. gave the nod, as how he'd know who you are. <laughs> sound, sound Nick. I actually prefer that in some ways, yeah. because uh, if they don't want to chat, then you feel like, at least for a split second, they have some level of appreciation for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I also think as much as, like, as long as you're not rude, but I think it must be fucking exhausting, right, being a celebrity. And, like, Imagine being in an airport queue like Nicholas Cage. Also, why is he not flying private? Weird. Um, but imagine being there, there's hundred people behind you, whatever it is, trying to get on this plane. You instantly, you know for a fact, most of them are going to want to try and say something to you. Boil it down even more. Most of them are just going to speak absolute shit at you. That must break you after a while. Yeah, well, I saw. Sure. I saw. Um, someone saw Jimmy Bullard outside Wembley when it was all kicking off. Uh, before the Euros final, and they said that they asked him for a picture, and he was like, "Tone it fucking down, yeah. Don't bring any attention to us." And then gave him like the lowest key picture ever, where he just didn't want any smoke with all that ruckus outside. Which I imagine, if you are a higher profile person, that would have been a nightmare. That's that's fair. I can't. You can't say fair enough. The fact that he stopped for the photo. Yeah. Also, the thought of the fact that you said turn it fucking in is is yeah. like <laughs> what a guy. But imagine that, like you've got like there was a lot of people there, and they're all yeah. obviously blind. Though. Most most of them are most of them are doing drugs. That's less of it, right? Yeah. Um, 
and then like you don't need that you don't need that work no well that's pretty much what, what when I saw Kier and I was on the tube and it was going to an Arsenal game where he's obviously going to be mobbed and I he was clearly trying to keep a low profile I kind of looked at him and he didn't look like he wanted a picture and he kind of gave me a nod like thank you but then about 30 seconds later I saw him getting piled on so I probably could have stopped him and it wouldn't have made much difference I, I, my, I suppose maybe similar with Bullard, but you should you shouldn't have to put up with it. But going no. on the on the tube to an Arsenal game, surely when you step on that tube, yeah, yeah, you know you know there's a likelihood that so, especially you're Martin Kilmoy. Not only yeah. are you an Arsenal legend, you're on the te- you are on you are commentating <laughs> you're on TV commentating or in the studio for a game once a week. Champions League week, he might be twice. Might be a Tuesday, Tuesday, <laughs> Saturday deal. Someone, someone's probably going to recognise you. Thursday these days, not even that these days. I saw him. I've seen Sol Campbell outside the Emirates as well, and didn't uh, like he saw him in front of this with a bird. If that quells any rumours, by the way. Um, <laughs> but there were blokes like chasing after him, and it's like he doesn't need this while he's walking around with this bird. Like, come no. on. No, I mean, at least it would all be nice. It'd be all be positive. There are other parts of London where probably not so much. Keen, any names you want to drop before we carry on? I feel we've been a bit self-indulgent to start this pod, but... No, I've never really met anyone famous, to be honest. I, I've routinely told Rory's famous person <laughs> story before of chasing down Sturridge not to be given a picture. <laughs> he was so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> he came back up to the bit and he was so annoyed. Um, yeah. I think what the killed thing... him more was like 30 seconds after saying no, he's just he is stopping for snaps with some welders. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally, he's just, he's not even like, within Rory's eyeline still, he's just stopping like, yeah, I can't go scaff over. <laughs> the thing that gets me about the story is the thought of Sturridge seeing Rory running towards him. Yeah. Like, he's bracing himself before that like, fucking hell please come on no. John. there we go um, he's not here to defend himself so it's a perfect time to dig him out I suppose anyway Thor Ragnarok good place to get started the synopsis imprisoned on the planet Sakaar Thor must race against time to return to Asgard and stop Ragnarok the destruction of his world at the hands of the powerful and ruthless villain Hela Sean, this was the first time you've seen it. What do you think the critics' reviews are going to say? Um, I feel like every Marvel film gets good critic reviews. I, I say it's good. I'm not, I'm maybe to tease last week's podcast, Keenan actually had the theory that uh, they've, they've somewhat found a cheat code that for cinema. That I don't, that I don't particularly enjoy. But what, do you mean like Marvel films? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. The, I mean, I, I, there is, it's obviously like, uh, I guess, kind of similar to the way you know, like Netflix has an algorithm and it's that kind of thing. There's a, there's a very much algorithm that they use and and can churn it out. I, I'm kind of with what's on on those types of films, but. I went on a little mini run. I go. I had a go. I had a. I had a couple of minutes. I had, I had a couple of minutes on it. It wasn't angry. I just had a couple of minutes on it, expressing my thoughts. My thoughts on the matter. Like I like the films. I. This is my the thing I must stress because I. I'd be. I would be lying if I said, oh, do you know they're shite. There. There are. How many in the the original MCU are there? It's like nineteen, isn't there? Yeah. There are th- three that I'm four that I'm meh on, and the rest of them I th- thoroughly enjoy. 
the so. description, as as you were stopping throughout the uh, explanation, every sort of thing. But I must stress, I do like really like these films. I do. Kind of. No, no. I'm just kind of like, if someone asked me what it was like podcasting with Sean, and I would <laughs> be the same, but have to keep specifying. But I do, I do like doing them with him. But. <laughs> but while I'm na- reeling off everything about what a nightmare it is, it was kind of similar to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you found a cheap way to get a Sean <laughs> Well, I think he knows I think it's a nightmare podding with him, but uh, the end product, when it's good, it's very good. So, uh, worth it in the I'm end. I'm not really sure how it's a nightmare. But... Well, I mean, we've just been delayed by 20 minutes because you're on airplane mode. <laughs> Palmy thinks that was you. You ate <laughs> from your end. Look, you had an agenda. The the critics reviews, um, and I will get on to Sean's take of this for the first time he'd seen it. Um, but I think the critics reviews may echo uh, a lot of what people's thoughts on this films are. So, from the vibrant colours of the car to the rocking eighties synth core, Ragnarok stands a foot above most of the Marvel universe. This is the best Guardians of the Galaxy film to date. <laughs> nice. Thank goodness for the idiosyncratic ver. Thank goodness for the idiosyncratic visions of director Taika Waititi, who does a complete 180 on the first two films by making Thor Ragnarok into a superhero comedy. Thor Ragnarok is a prime example of how a complete tonal shift can rejuvenate a film series. Despite a few minor issues with pacing in the middle, this is a tremendous step in the right direction for both the Thor franchise specifically and Marvel movies in general. Finally... Thor Ragnarok, is, Thor Ragnarok is a triumph, and with a story boasting plenty of laughs, action, and perhaps most, most importantly, heart, this threequel is another winner for Marvel Studios. Got there in the end, struggling to speak today. But it is much different to the first two Thor films, isn't it? I don't know if any of you can tell me different. I don't know many people that if you just took the Thor films in isolation, and this is taking the Avengers films out of it where they maybe showed his character off a bit more. You wouldn't find many people saying that Thor was their favourite Avenger based on those films. Uh, no, no, you're probably, no, you're probably right, mate. Um, because I, there's tonal you, shift and then there's this, isn't there? If you took this film in isolation, if you took this film and the Avengers films, you'd probably have a better reception. Yeah, that's as, what I mean. As like, stated so last week. Excuse me, I stated last week, Thor 2 is absolutely wank. Well, we kind of got into that, didn't we, where we said there's a point and Guardians of the Galaxy is where it's credited in each director really being allowed to do a lot more with the Marvel films and kind of put their own spin on it. And so the first two Thor films aren't depressing, but they're a lot more serious, aren't they? It's a lot more focused on his relationship with Natalie Portman. It's a lot more focused on kind of the quarrels he has with family and... Mm him being a god and the, the only real humour they were using in the first film was the same things that we've heard plenty of times of some guy from the Stone Age is now in the future. It's like Elf basically where yeah, look at the yellow snow, don't pick up that chewing gum. Those were the kind of jokes that you're getting in the first Thor films. Yeah. And this one, yeah. There's, there's an interview with um, am I saying his name right? Waititi by the way. To my knowledge but yeah, well, essentially, he says he couldn't understand why when you've got someone like Hemsworth, who's naturally funny, he's naturally got that kind of charisma, you're kind of locking him in with what they were doing previously. He said it just didn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I mean, why they weren't using that? No, and also, I mean, fuck me, just look at him. You can pretty much get you like you like you just look at him. You can get him to do almost anything, and it will sell. So why not just let him have a bit of fun? You know he's going to make you money. Yeah. Well, also, also oh, sorry. So I was going to say, like, based on Joe, you was talking and said about the cheat code by 2017, they've got it fully on lock. Like they are, they're building towards the end. They've got it fully locked up. They know what they're about. They could have put out the fact that this, the fact that this is an enjoyable film, is almost by the by for this point, because they could have put out, they could have put Thor two in here, and it makes four times the amount of money that it did in the cinema. Do you think they need they needed the bad reception to Thor two to then rejuvenate it with this because after Iron Man two there was criticism and that's considered to be the worst one of the three. And then when the third when the third one comes around, they lean far more into kind of his his charm alongside the arrogance, but they try and make it more human in the way that they start giving him panic attacks. They start talking about having a family. They bring the kid in to show that that this guy does have feelings, and they mix it up a bit. So maybe they do need every so often these wake up calls to shift things up. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's always it's it's never a bad thing to realise that you're not infallible. No, to be honest. Well, I've got some trivia. There's there's not much, um, kind of as we... There wasn't much for uh, Infinity War. So, Thor's friend from work line about the Incredible Hulk was suggested to Chris Hemsworth by a Make-A-Wish child who paid a visit to the set on the day the scene was filmed. The director liked it so much that he added it into the script and kept it in the movie. Oh, wow. Nice. I think it, is a, it is a good line. Oh, yeah. You- I think that will probably be the best known bit of trivia that you're about to spout. I've seen that so many times. Um, uh, Director Taika Waititi said in an interview with MTV News, I would say we improvised probably 80% of the film or ad-libbed and threw in stuff. So it's a throwback to uh, season one, Keenan, where we would uh, bring the improvisation trivia your way. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you, I, you can see it. It's nice in a film like this. I mean, I realise I was about to call it light-hearted, but I suppose it is. Uh, minus, yeah, it is. Yeah, my, minus the the death and destruction, it is quite a light-hearted tone. Yeah. I mean, people, the, the planet does. Someone's home planet does get blown up at the end, so it's not all it's not all sunshine and rainbows. But it is a lot. It is probably it's the lightest lightest hearted yeah. film of the lot, isn't it? Uh, the director based Korg's character on Polynesian bounces. He says, we wanted to change the idea of what a hulking guy made of rocks could be. He's huge and heavy with a light soul, and he's really funny and friendly. Uh, it wouldn't be well, based on a British bouncer, would it? Of course. No. When I was in Oz, uh, when I first got there, there was randomly a guy, there was a guy who worked at, was a bouncer at a pub up the road. Ended up staying in the place that we were staying. Great bloke. Great guy. There we go then. Fantastic guy, a big like the Polynesian as well. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest, one of the biggest gentlemen I've ever met in my life. Like, I'm a fair, I'm fairly big, but like six foot, like tall enough that I look small next to him. Yeah. Like, probably genuinely no, but no banter, about twenty four stone, just fucking huge. But. On the plus side, got to know him. Scared fuckless when he walked in, walked into the uh, locker share kitchen for the first time. Literally <laughs> filled filled the door frame and more. Um, no, chatting to him. Just used to sneak me into the pub, no matter any time. So, yeah, there you go, mate. 
Shout out to the Strawberry Hills Hotel. <laughs> uh, director Taika Waititi appeared in this movie as Korg. He's the second Marvel movie director to have a major role in his own movie after John Favreau, who directed the first two Iron Man movies and appeared as Happy Hogan in the MCU. When are you and I going to have the Favreau discussion on the pod? Uh, maybe when we find a way to do swingers. Okay. What's the, what's the Favreau discussion? Well, fucking oh, great years. You, you don't know the Favreau discussion? Oof. It's like Fight Club, Sean. That's why we can't <laughs> have the discussion. Um, I feel like it's one that we, that you and I probably need to have because I think we'd be of the same opinion. Yeah, uh, I might disagree with you that you think Elf is his best film. But Incorrect. You know I fucking hate that film. <laughs> I refuse to wow. do a Christmas. Wow. <laughs> you know I fucking wow. hate that film. I refuse yeah, to do a that's Christmas. That's you say you just hate Christmas films, yeah. Yeah, I do. They did I do hate. some Christmas interviews with me, sir. So there we go. Because I'm a good friend. Mr. Bad Santa. Yeah, I... I yeah, even us fucking bang average. God, I hate Christmas. Wow. Fuck. We're we doing that. We're going to hope for his pods again towards the end of the year. Um, oh, I won't be there. I won't be here. So. Oh, no, wait. hype up the ones we've done. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Nice, nice. Like a re-release. Nice, nice. Um, nice. Tessa Thompson based her performance as Valkyrie on Sarah Connor from Terminator 2. Yeah, you can see that. Yeah. Hella was the first female villain in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Before the role went to Kate Blanchett, Charlize Theron was considered. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Probably preferred it, to be fair. Ooh, harsh. Another tie-in to last week. Uh, Ruben Fleischer, Rob Letterman and Rawson Marshall Thurber were considered to direct. Fleischer and Thurber were also candidates to direct Ant-Man in 2015. Ruben Fleischer did Zombieland. Mm. Uh, an interesting, interesting. I imagine his take on this would have been quite interesting. We've got a uh, entrance to the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame. Matt Damon appearing after ten minutes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. nice. Matt Damon. Loki. In the bit where Loki's putting on his kind of pantomime, the one playing Loki is Matt Damon. <laughs> oh no way! I know that. I really, I missed that. I know. Checking afterwards, it's the it's the other Hemsworth brother that's playing. Yeah, four, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it? Oh, I didn't realize it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liam, is it? No, um, it's the other one, the one that's not as successful. I can't remember what it's Well, I suppose that proves you're on point. Um, wow, I didn't know. I, I get lost because it's Matt Damon every time. Luke Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth, there you go, yeah. Harsh. So, yeah, like, Matt like Damon the, uh, in there. Like the third Manning brother. Yeah. I did see a quote from Peyton the other day saying that uh, if his mum had just decided not to have kids, then Brady would probably be in double figures for rings by now. So uh, people are worth some flowers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, so what did Peyton win? Two, three? Two or three? Yeah. Peyton won two. And Eli won, Eli won two as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. won two as well, yeah. Yeah, nice. There we go. Um, so that, that's the trivia. Matt Damon... I mean, I don't think we need to ask. Matt Damon is surely in the Rex Ryan. Yes, sir. Um, his second his second appearance, and so this is like uh, Mick Foley having Mankind and Cactus Jack <laughs> in the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Combo's good about it's actually where, but we've already referenced Euro trip. Told Euro trip. Yeah, Scotty doesn't know. Exactly. So, uh, big up Matt Damon. Um, 
so that's that's your trivia. If we kind of do our kind of thoughts that we have while watching, then we'll do scene by scene. Led Zeppelin on the soundtrack. I don't know how much they paid for the rights. The fact they use it twice feels to me like they're getting their money's worth. It's a great song. Yeah. They use it at the start, don't they? And then they use it at the end as well. (laughs) I don't know if you pay more for that or if you just pay to have it in your film. Um, I would assume that's down to the deal you strike because everyone we've spoken to about music says you like for each individual film you've got to go out and get it. So I suppose yeah, when you when you're negotiating a price with someone, I suppose you ask, don't you? I I imagine the assumption is you'll just use it once. So if you ask, they might be like, okay. I love that with American Pie that they saved a lot of cash because essentially after the first one was released, people just kept posting them in their music just because they wanted it in if they did another film. Yeah. So saved them all That's... the time in the world. We said it before, small or smaller independent films, the way to get them to be a success apparently is just to get good music in them. Yeah. Well, most of the budget for Napoleon Dynamo went on Can Heat. Yeah, literally. And the other considered film was going to be, uh, song was going to be... Uh, by Michael Jackson, so you can imagine how much that would have cost. Yeah, they say uh, like with Reservoir Dogs and stuff, and uh, most of the money, most of the money went on the music. Yep. Um, the use of that song, I guess, is where the comparisons to Guardians of the Galaxy comes in, because it's not the kind of song we would traditionally get in a Marvel film. I guess you get something, you get the odd rock song in Iron Man, usually when he's making an entrance. Sincerely, they went big on ACDC, didn't they? Yeah. Other than that, you're not really getting it in a previous Thor film. You're not getting it in a Captain America film, etc., etc. No, fair. Do you reckon? I don't know why we'd know, but am I, like, if you're Disney and you're going to, you go into a record label and just say, look, we want to put this in four. Like for stuff like I know it's Led Zeppelin being incredibly influential and famous, but. Your target target audience for that film. Not a lot of them probably know probably know a lot about Led Zeppelin. No, it's like, just, you, you probably know the song, but yeah, the exposure. To be to fair, it. that's that's about as far as I am. Like I'm not listening to my Spotify, but I know the song mm. quite. Oh. To sum it up, probably when I heard that song, I associated it with School of Rock. Yeah, do you remember when they did it and Jack Black released some random video, just some weird weird video on no. his Instagram? But that makes sense. Challenging them to a duel. Weird, fucking weird dude but well, my, my actual question was going to be um, do you reckon if you're Disney you can just go in and just like, you, you must be able to negotiate that down so like pennies on the pound right no I reckon it's like United or PSG going in for a transfer oh, yeah. target and they're like we the, know you've got cash oh you think the premium is on there okay yeah I think they're like well, you've got cash to burn we're not giving you in cheap hmm. maybe unless I think... like Led Zeppelin's putting in a transfer request like I really need this song in four. And yeah. They have to buckle. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like if you're like Disney specifically, you just got to look. We're Disney. Come on. Yeah. Like, I imagine they they pay someone an awful lot of money for that kind of thing. Yeah, I imagine they do. I bet they use the word exposure constantly. Mm-hmm. Tell them that their streams will go up in all sorts. Um. Really, one of the other thoughts I had down was the constant Eternal Flame references. I actually had to pause and listen to Atomic Kitten at one point because it was just stuck in my head and I couldn't enjoy the film. Weird. Was it not in your when you're Eternal Flame? 
Uh, no, I've seen this film probably four or five times. Never made the connection until just wow. before you said, when you said the words, it's, when you said the words Eternal Flame, suddenly Atomic Kitten came into my head. Make, <laughs> yeah. of, make of that what you will. Um, another one, I know we've had our rules that we've done kind of uh, throughout films where if you say grab the enemy's gun and point it at you, nine times out of ten they aren't going to shoot you. Um, if the villain ever tells you you're free to go, you, you may as well just stay there and just just shoot me now. Don't don't give me the bare hope. That's fair. Him saying you're officially pardoned from life, as if uh, I mean it's a cool line, but he's got to have known what was coming. It is quite a cool line. Uh, our guy Jeff Goldblum as well. Legend. Yeah. Where was Sean on the Jurassic Park uh, podcast? Key. Yeah, right. I, sh- I should have been there. I'd have, I'd have loved that pod. Yeah, I thought it was your film. Thought you loved yeah, it. Oh, I do love it. It is a classic. Um, oh, I, I, I can't remember why I was. I can't remember why I wasn't there. But I wasn't there. You're on your date, yeah. You? You're out doing bits. Work drinks for the eighth might time. Have been, might have been work drinks that time. Yeah. TK oh, claims Jurassic Park Two is better. Jurassic Ooh, Part One was fairly average. Jurassic Park Two may might be better. I think it's just because Vince Vaughn's in there. Which one's Jurassic Park 3? That's the one I remember. But basically, it's not the first one. It's not the one with Vince Vaughn. It's how I'd narrow it down there. <laughs> All right, got you. I think it had Raptors on the poster, if that helps. Yeah, I think I know where it's. It's, it's like a black class- out poster with the badge. Yeah, yeah. All right, if we do the uh, scene by scene as we do, uh, not many to go through. If we start with the opening scene, and again, we have a proper opening scene in this one. It's not, say, uh, not like Django, where you have the Django song and then you get the scene, which we kind of call the opening scene. Mm, this you one, you're straight... very you, careful. What? Is that not what we've said previously? Like, oh, I just didn't like the example you gave there. There were many others you could have chosen. Well, it was like Walter Mitty. Like, if you jump to him so, saving it, saving uh, out the window, then that wasn't the opening scene. The opening scene was him looking at the dating app and kind of just pondering back and forth. Plenty of examples. Batman, proper opening scene, straight onto the plane. Okay, fine. Just didn't, didn't sound disrespectful towards Django. No, like Black Panther, they gave you the uh, background on Wakanda before you then have uh, the betrayal of the brother getting the arms for uh, the bad guy, etc., etc., etc. Um. You essentially start off with a you're probably wondering how I got here type of scene, aren't you? Mm. Uh, Joe, it remind, reminds me of. Go on. It's another Disney film. It's The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Your <laughs> short shoots. I oh, know it. Is it Jack Harper? Is it Jack who really likes David Spade? Or is it shoot? Yes, Jack. Yeah, no, it's Jack. It's Harper. He tries to get him into every, every film. Yeah. Jack's guy, David Spade. Um, so, do so you think with that opening scene, the fact right from the jump they start it this way you have the uh led zeppelin song to kind of conclude it do you think they're very much trying to say this isn't the full film you were expecting enjoy because there's humor right from the start when he's talking to the skeleton where the jaw falls off the skeleton there's him kind of old style james bond like outsmarting the villain with uh kind of wise cracks to the uh, dragon of sorts and that's how you start things off. 
Did yeah. you watch this at the cinema, Keenan? Did I watch this at the cinema? <laughs> Do you know, honestly, Matt, I couldn't tell you. I may, very may well have done. So I watched it at the cinema with um, Langston, I think Alex, maybe, and I think Townsend, maybe. But I don't recall any of us being particularly excited to go in. Like, the excitement was based around this is the latest Marvel film rather than I'm so excited to see the latest Thor film. And I think at the point of when you meet Korg for the first time, which this scene will get onto shortly, we kind of realise, like, as far as Marvel films go, this is quite a special one. Like, this is much better than we were expecting, which always helps also if you have the low expectations going in. Yeah, fair. Um, I mean, it carries on. If if this is the, oh, this isn't what you're expecting, it carries on into the next scene. Yeah, I mean, they kind of set the scene early, don't they? And yeah, they, but it, it, like, it does carry on as well. It gets funnier and lighter. They've got the bit with the, he goes back the bit with the play, then he disappears, then you be, they've got the whole thing with Strange where he's been yeah. falling for half hour and the beers and so on, and then it goes from there, doesn't it? Well, to be fair, even, and some of these scenes we aren't going to do, but you have his dad essentially saying, like, I'm dying, and then going on his merry way. You've got the fact that the planet, in the end, as you referenced, is destroyed. There isn't really a point where they make this, there isn't really like an emotional low kind of thing. There's more falls frustrated at times, but there's never really a point where they allow you to be too sympathetic with him or, or anything like that. It's kind of one long way through rather than kind of dips and bumps and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I saw, I felt for him quite quite a lot when he lost his eye. <laughs> well, the, the main thing I would point to is the fact that Hella, for all that she's supposed to be uh, one of the biggest villains they've ever had to face, the one that's going to wipe out the planet, uh, her sole purpose is to bring death. She's she she would be a side character in this. I think if we were voting for side character, and I don't know if any of you have her down as your favourite side character, I wouldn't believe so. But I would say she fits more into that category than she would as one of the main characters because her plot is almost like a subplot. She's the catalyst, isn't she? Yeah, they have they spend more time getting off of um, the planet than they yeah. do trying to kind of bring her down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was just my point. Like, it isn't the previous Thor films would have been far more crying involved in how his home's been wiped out and all the things that probably would fit the mood more, but they don't allow that to happen in this film. They they do really kind of set out from the start. We want you to just come in here and enjoy this. Yeah, fair. I think we spoke last week, didn't we, about uh, Zombieland? And the fact that when they're using the zombies, they didn't try and make you jump at the start. And so they're essentially kind of saying, put your feet up, enjoy this one. This is what you're in for. And it's pretty much the same echoed again. Like They're letting you know early on, this is the kind of film you're going to have. Enjoy. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and the is... scene of him escaping the dragon coming through, his hammer not taking him up because uh, Carl Urban's there chatting up the two women it's just a good scene, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So, Sean, what kind of film were you expecting? Um, I don't know. I, I guess I probably wasn't expecting like that. I guess I was thinking in the mould of, I guess, the other like solo um, Marvel films. Like, 
Iron Man, like Captain America, yeah. like Spider Man, I guess. Um, that kind of mold, I guess. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Surprised. I thought it was like it's. it's I know we we've touched on the a few dark elements in it, but in general, I feel like it's quite a feel good Marvel film. If if that can be a thing, um, there's it was there's, an enjoyable watch. Yeah, there's a kind of debate around it, and I say debate like I don't think there's people getting too hung up on it, but as to whether this should be classed as the first Marvel comedy. Yeah, I can I can see it. I'd say no. But You've got Guns of the Galaxy, haven't you? Well, the argument is that the comedy is there to kind of support everything else in Guardians of the Galaxy, whereas people claim, first and foremost, the intention of Thor is to make you laugh. Uh, I still think it's more of a superhero film, but I, 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 I get well, the point. The, the critic review said superhero comedy, so you kind of got best of both worlds there. Mm. Uh, the next scene that I had down was him meeting Korg for the first time. I backtracked slightly from last week, Keenan, where I did uh, prematurely say that Korg would be my MVP this week. I'm, I'm not quite sure <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go that far, but he is certainly one of the most memorable characters from the film, and one of the most memorable scenes is his conversation with Thor as he prepares to go and uh, fight the champion for the first time. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, like, Line per line per minute, or if you want to phrase it like word word per screenplay, in terms of he, he hits does hit quite a lot. He's, well, the, for heat a check. he's the Dion Waiters heat check. Hmm. Well, for for a character that we didn't know previously, I remember people complaining that we didn't get to see him in Infinity War. I know we get to see him in Endgame eventually because they don't reference whether he's. Actually, I think there's a bit of a walkie-talkie at the start of Infinity War where. They ask, did Korg escape, etc. But yeah, there were people genuinely gutted that you have all of these characters in Infinity War and people are still gutted that we didn't get appearance from Korg. So <laughs> made made quite the impression in that uh, little bit of time. The most popular quote listed on IMDb is him saying, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid. Unless you're made of scissors. Just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you there. <laughs> Do you not want to give the accent a go? No. Uh, if TK was here, he could attest. I think he's one of the only people that's seen me attempt accents. And the look I got from him was enough that I don't think I'll ever try it again. <laughs> mm. Okay. Fair enough. I think it was quite a simple one. I tried as well. Like maybe Welsh or Scottish or something. So probably don't have uh, New Zealand in me. Okay. But also in that same scene, you've got him saying, uh, I tried to start a revolution, didn't print enough pamphlets, so hardly anyone turned up, except my mum and her boyfriend. You've got him re- referencing Doug. Piss off ghost, he says to uh, Loki. I do, like, I do like that. I do love yeah. that quote. <clears throat> See you later, new Doug. This is Meek uh, as well. Interesting introduction to Meek. Ask him if he's pulled off his hammer, saying sounds like you've got a quite an intimate relationship there with your hammer. <laughs> Even just that, you're not... I can't think of it. I didn't go into this Marvel film expecting any jokes about pulling off. Oh, <clears throat> oh the hammer pulled you off. <laughs> exactly. It's just unbelievable. Like 
But my main complaint about this film would be that we didn't get enough cork. Some would say maybe then it could be overkill and we wouldn't enjoy him as much. Yeah, like she says, it's still about the heat check. Comes oh, in, no. probably does six minutes, does bits, leaves. For the amount of Marvel content they're creating, I think it's criminal if they don't make a Korg TV show. The only problem with that is you are reliant because of who it is that plays yeah. the character. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's got to be a bigger stumbling block, right? Yeah, although if we go back to earlier when it came to the soundtrack, maybe they'll write a blank check for YTT and say, come on, do us a favour. Maybe, but it's 10 episodes, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's like they do. I've not seen any of the new. I've not seen One Division or ba, 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 Loki. Loki or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's one, yeah. Is it? Are we looking six episodes, eight episodes, ten episodes? Does it vary? One Division is eight. The other two are six. Um, I've yeah. watched One Division and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I'm three episodes into Loki. What's Loki saying? Good. Good. Yeah. One Division still my favourite, but. I, I hear the ending of Loki will be enough to turn it around and make it number one. You got Owen Wilson in there as well as a charmer for you. I'm aware. Um, the Punisher still not numero uno. Uh, they aren't technically MCU supposedly, so that's why uh, like they they aren't considered to be affecting anything that goes on oh. in okay. that phase. But if it was, if we were just calling a Spader Spader Marvel TV show a Marvel TV show, then uh, I would put one division in the category of uh, the Punisher and Daredevil, probably. Okay. But very different, very different. Yes. Um, following on from that scene, you do have Thor and Hulk fighting, which I guess was kind of like the joy of the Avengers film, seeing the two characters together that you wouldn't usually see in that circumstance. It's nice that we got a Doctor Strange crossover at the start because that was shortly after his solo film, so they kind of kept him ticking over. Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 nice. It's uh, always a fun one to see superhero fight superhero sort of thing as well. Yeah. As much as you say, it's nice to see two characters you wouldn't necessarily see together, but it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. See, see him beat, beat shit out of each other. Just as a side reference, do you think the point of Strange and the way he is with Loki at the start, do you think in a Thor film that's more to show how powerful Strange is or how feeble Loki can be? Because they essentially have Loki doing a scrappy do, like, let me at him as he's making portals and just sending him as and where he wants him. Sending him shops. Yeah. Um, yeah, very possibly. Um, I, if not feeble, it makes Loki almost inconsequential. Well, they don't seem to make their mind up in this film, do they? Like half the film, he's one step ahead of Thor, and uh, he's the one that's free while Thor's a prisoner, and so on and so on. And then the other half of it, Thor is kind of sudden him, where he has the the uh, button at the end that he puts on him. Uh, Strange is uh, outsmarting him and said to him about somewhere he wants to. See, it's just they kind of don't go either way as saying just how powerful he is. But the Thor and Hulk fight, we referenced the introduction where 
we know from the trailers that it's going to be Hulk coming out, don't we? At least, I don't know if Sean remembered that going in. Did you know that was going to be Hulk in there, Sean? No, I didn't. I didn't know. Okay, so you had that there, but a large portion of the promo, there was a shot of them jumping towards each other, superhero style, like Uh, like that. And as you said, Keenan, it's uh, very much every time you think one of them's won, they get knocked back six feet. (laughs) Do you think if the Grandmaster had asked Hulk to, that he could have killed Thor when he's uh, unconscious? Mm, Probably. He takes it all right when he's pounding his head beforehand and he just kind of brushes it off. <laughs> Seeing them fight, though, it is you have the added bonus of Loki kind of cowering. They have the repeat of what he did to Loki in the first Avengers film where he's kind of swatting him and him celebrating as that happens. In contrast, it's a lot different to Iron Man and Captain America fighting in Civil War. Isn't it? Like, it doesn't feel like it has yeah, the same yeah. stakes. For sure. Um, but it is very good. Um, kind of video game style, like that kind of thing happening, like Street Fighter, sending them across the arena <laughs> and so on. Um, so that's what I have done there. If we have a look at the categories, unless there's any other scene that anyone wants to mention in particular. Keenan, um, I think you had one, didn't you? You there, Keenan? I don't know if yeah. there. All right, he's there. I was, well, I was, I was going to say, uh, oh, yes, left. I was going to say, like, just, I guess, the kind of the, the battle at the end. Uh, and when, when Loki returns as well, because obviously he, he's gone for a while and he comes back. And yeah. Oh, sorry. I think yeah, the scene I was... when uh, I think the scene where um, uh, Hella, where she like wipes out everyone. Yeah. And the one guy's left and then just kills him as well. I think that that's quite a cool scene. So it's always a, a good scene where there's like one person against hundreds <laughs> and and the one person wins. They need that, don't they? That's essentially in the space of five minutes, they have a scene where they can just say, this is how powerful she is without really yeah. to do much more. Keenan, you, you said previously there was a scene that you wanted to mention, but I don't know what it was. Yeah, sorry. I'm really confused as to what happened just then. Um, it would be mine. I, I actually caught the end of it. Sean said it. it was the fight at the end. It's the fight on the oh, bridge okay. where yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing. Hulk jumping from the sky and not turning into Hulk. Yeah, um, also a fan of like Valkyrie just flying through people. You've got your man, I can't, you've got Carl Urban lashing people out with, with uh, M16s. Yeah. Uh, but it is, as I say, it's, 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 the army of the undead thing's pretty cool when they rise up and they're like, oh, there you go. Yeah, Valkyrie is essentially what they intended to make Black Widow when she first came around. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of the criticisms now now that Scarlett Johansson's finished playing Black Widow, but she said before it even really got to the last Avengers films, she felt like she was just in the scenes as a bit of eye candy, which is referenced by Tony Stark, I think, in Iron Man 2, and that she didn't really get a chance to play the character she wanted to. Yeah, uh, I I can imagine so. Um, I mean, that is the point of the MCU in a way to change the stereotypical fan of these characters. Yes, that's what you with Valkyrie, isn't it? Like, there's no... Yeah. Thor isn't trying to hit on her, he's not doing this, that. Like, she's just supposed to be a powerful she's, Valkyrie. Yeah, she's just asked to, to, to batter people. Yeah. Um, which is good. But yeah, Scarlet Johansson makes a valid point. By the time yeah. you get into... the sort of, By the time you've reached the Avengers and stuff, you you know what she's there for. I mean, her yeah. opening scene in the 
The opening scene of the Avengers is there in a tight in a tiny black dress yeah. tied up. Yeah. Strange it took him that long to do a Black Widow film. It seems like it was just kind of ticking a box at that point. Like to do it after she's already been killed is like odd. Um if we do the categories then, Sean, we'll start with you as someone that's only seen the film once. Where do you stand on the rewatchability of this? Two hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, that, that's what it has against it, um, I guess. But uh, I do think it is very easy to watch. I feel like it's one of those films, you, again, you can watch without fully concentrating. There'll be a few comical moments. When Korg appears, you'll obviously focus a bit more. Um, and then when the arena battles there. So, so yeah, I, I do think it's quite rewatchable. I probably would watch it again. Super. Um, sure. Keenan, the one critic's review said that it dragged in the middle. Did you feel that or not? I was trying to work this out. As I was actually was thinking about it when you read it. I don't think so. I, I don't, like, I didn't think so when I was watching it, but I think that's because I do very much like this film. And there's that I'm looking f- towards the next scene. If that makes sense. No, so I know exactly what you mean. I, I think it with a lot of films because, but if I know what's coming up, I'm you sort of waiting for that as you're watching it. So you probably yeah. maybe 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 my eyes maybe or maybe my mind sort of glazes over during certain parts. But I don't know about drags. I I I think I would make the argument that this is the most the most rewatchable Marvel film. Oh. I think Ooh. it felt longer to me this time around. And I think it ties in with what you said there in terms of looking to the next scene, because it's hard for me to put into words how much I loved Korg as a character the first time I saw him in this. I think the first one of those Funkos I bought was because of seeing Korg in uh, Ragnarok. And I wanted some way of kind of having a physical representation of loving the character. And so I kind of was looking to the next set piece in which he was going to be there. But beforehand, I was looking forward to seeing Jeff Goldblum as the Grand Master, I think, just for everything, for how he looks, how he's perceived outside of Marvel and just him as a person and a character. I think that ties in nicely there. And then I was looking forward to these individual bits. So when it came to a scene with it being Hella, I was kind of thinking, can we get on with this and get on to, I want to see Thor wisecracking, I want to see Loki doing this, that again. That was the only thing and why I can maybe think that's how they felt, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm kind of less, probably less invested in the, the core part of the story, I guess, the, the hell of yeah. part of it. I'm not, yeah, like like you said, I'm not, I'm not really invested in that. I'm more in for the, like you said, the Thor and Hulk bit, the jokes, the Loki element as well. Um, yeah, I'm more invested in, in that rather than the actual core, I guess, story. Well, they introduce Hela within the first 20 minutes. So you have the opening scene, you have him returning to Asgard, and then they go to see Strange. And then it's after their dad goes, they, he explains who she is, and then she comes. You don't then see her again for at least 45 minutes in a significant scene that isn't just kind of a remind you she's there and like there's no significant scene with her in so I think we've all kind of referenced at some point that the key part of the story doesn't really feel like the key part of the story but maybe that's why it's so rewatchable you get more more of what you wanted I quite like to see Um, 
and I don't. It's strange considering the other films. When I when I say it, the other films that I've watched and what it would entail and how much I dislike them. Um, but I'd be, I, when you know she gives the little bit of the tiniest bit of exposition about this is this is where you came from. Yeah. She breaks breaks the mirror in the wall, and then it's yeah. the 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 actual ceiling. So the ceiling is them sort of taking taking over the planets. I'd probably watch that if they if I did something. Did like a four prequel of as to how Asgard got there. Odin and Hela just just killing people. I'd watch that. I think. Yeah, I think Marvel pretty much as you've referenced <laughs> uh, in both good and bad circumstances. Nine times out of ten, whatever they touch turns to gold. So I think if they think it'll make money, then they'll get to it eventually. The the amount of material they've got is just something else. Well, well, that's it. And that this is the point that you say about sort of cheat codes and stuff. They you make a very good point. They can now go and do. They can now go and do whatever they want. And this, as you say, there. I mean, you are looking at someone. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but what? I don't know. Seventy odd, seventy years of material. Yeah, more than that, probably. What I do think is difficult in terms of what Marvel do now is that they spent so long establishing Thanos as being such a powerful villain. And it took two films to defeat him, which by Marvel film circumstances is like they spent 20 years fighting him. Um, And then with the TV shows, you're able to establish a villain over a much longer period of time. You're able to build up just how dangerous they are, etc. And so we spoke about it with X-Men last week. Um, When you're trying to explain just how powerful a villain is, but you're also trying to fit that into a two-hour film it it just contrasts a bit strange with what you've done so it's hard to build them up to be feel that dangerous when you've seen what else they can do it just yeah. feels like each character is kind of like your medium bad before you get to the big bad that you're building towards again yeah yeah it, it, I, I think the one we referenced it Sort of last week as well. I know it's not technically, it's not, or it's not part of it, but it's this a similar thing with Apocalypto as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same sort of thing, I think. Which I wonder now, I think, I know they're going to have their MCU and things will tie in, but where do they go? Well, well, I, yeah. I'm not, I know I'm, where they're going, but it would ruin Loki for you. Okay, that's, that's so why I don't. But we've I do established wonder. who the new Thanos is, basically. Okay, right. That's that's cool. I wonder, but like, do you go how after sort of all of it, like essentially nineteen films or whatever, where they built to it? How on earth? How do you get? I'm sure you will, and you still have people buying it, and it yeah. will make a lot of money. But to get back up to that peak, it what seems... it seems is um, they're gonna do the ground, do the, the 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 core work in the films, and then they're gonna flesh it out with the TV shows, and so. You have the choice if you want to kind of have the full package or if you want to have, like, your Norton antivirus free package uh, without paying for premium. Mm. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Like I say, I, I, since Endgame, my attention to it has is, is certainly waned, not for, for any reason, just as I've sort of seen, I've seen the peak now. I think oh. you need to get on one of these shows um, for the weeklies because WandaVision is the most I've been hooked on a show for a weekly release in quite some time. 
mainly because of the amount of people watching it as well. So you do get all the speculation as to where the twist and turns can go, which yeah, that was not... the whole reason why Infinity War was successful because it's the first time we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, well, that, intri- that intrigues me less than than it does you, evidently. Not well, that first. you haven't you haven't seen it to know. No, I mean, but well, yeah, but there's not any speculation about it now, is there? If I sit and watch it. Um, well, you I don't know only, who the villain's going to be. No, I, but I mean, I would only have my own internal yeah. speculation. Yeah, for sure. Um, people who have seen it have, have seen it. I do think if you heard that, because I've not even seen the last episode, uh, once you hear the name of who the next Thanos equivalent is going to be, then you'll know kind of it's going to be significant. Um but if we stick with uh, some of the categories before we go on to the next film, uh, best moments slash scene I've answered for myself there, and it's the first meeting with Korg. I'll take uh, <laughs> yours to when we do the judging. Uh, do you want to run through some quotes now, or when we ask when we do the kind of overall score? Uh, do it at the end if you like. Yes, uh, if I, if we go on to the next film then, because uh, it is very toasty. Uh, Synopsis then for National Treasure. A historian races to find the legendary Temple of Treasure before a team of mercenaries. Short and sweet there. Yeah. That's what you need in the synopsis. Critics' reviews. I'll go to you, Keenan. What do you think they're going to be? Very average. Uh, it is a definitely, uh, it is a definitively guilty pleasure. And 90% of the reason why can be summed up in two words. Nicholas Cage. Harshly, you have to Call Nicholas Cage a guilty pleasure now. Harsh on the man. Um, National Treasure is certainly no Indiana Jones, but it's still a fun ride. I yeah. lost count of how many Indiana Jones comparisons I saw with this. It, it's always with the mummy. Yeah, it's always going to be. Yeah. Um, it is, for all its moments, a quintessential Brockheimer project. A big movie that at its core is just too small. Do you get what they mean by that? Does that make sense to you? No. I took that as them saying the depth of concept isn't that great, but it's still being magnified as is with all Brockheimer movies. So much like Pirates of the Caribbean being a theme park ride that's then blockbusterified, which can work and it can feel a little too uh, roomy in terms of filling the blanks, but I guess that's all they're digging at you. I mean, depth of concept for a kids' film, it doesn't. So, do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't need to be the Da Vinci Code. This wasn't always going to be a kids' film, um, and it changed late on. Um, the film plays on every cliche and every stereotype imaginable, and part of its charm is playing them exactly to an audience's happiest expectations. Yeah. And finally, this, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say this film. I, I remember watching this. I watched this as a kid. My mum used to yeah. love it. Um, this and that she liked them both, actually. But they were, th- this is exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah. Your dramatic pauses are a nightmare when I can't see you talking. What do you mean dramatic pauses? Well, you, you, you do a thing where you kind of start it and then you have a pause to kind <laughs> of the sink and then you carry on. But when I can't actually see you in front of me, that's why the people at home I regularly jump in front of what you're about to say because I think you finished 
Well, I sometimes I go the other way. I start talking, then you're already talking, <laughs> then you're talking, then I stop to I start dramatic pause. It's, it's me being polite. Maybe I should just take the reins. And just you should. Like, you should. I, I always say, just talk over me. Cause... Yeah, I'm not going to do that, unfortunately. I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm actually capable. Um, well, no, because uh, I think you finished. That's why I jump back in, trying right. to keep us flowing. I'd rather well, you cut me off. I'm a great narrator. I'm a great orator. So a dramatic pause there say. to pin people to my words. As I always say, cut me off. I won't be offended unless it happens too often. Um, finally, sir, few can argue that the movie is totally unbelievable. But if one is able to leave all sense of logic at the door, it's very hard not to have a darn good time in the process. That's what we want. That's what we signed up for with this, isn't it? That's essentially our podcast, mate. <laughs> hey, we have some complex talking points on here. Um... Yeah, occasionally, um, followed by, like, I mean, it, it sounds like I'm criticising it, it's everything I love about it. As, hey, as we've just spoken every... about the representation of women. Yeah, I don't don't know how much In justice MCU. we did that. <laughs> so. Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll run you through the trivia, there isn't much of it. So, uh, on the DVD, director John Turtletorp says the initial cut was around four hours long. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> that's I reckon that's like you see Nicolas Cage, you get the camera rolling. <laughs> they just had four hours of Nicolas Cage just I, if I'm this, disappointed. Sorry. I was only gonna say if this if they would have released a four hour cut and you'd be like, yeah, if you <laughs> say if they had released it as a director's cut and you'd be like, Oh yeah, by the way, for the pod we're doing the director's cut, I actually just would have said no. Do you think this film is better or worse if you get a Nicolas Cage turned to the camera like Craig Robinson in Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> One just goes, this is a national treasure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At the end of the film, when they find the treasure, um, so we found the world's treasure, and him saying, no, we found the national treasure. Now, better. As when I first <laughs> watched it as a kid, it would have made zero impact on me. But as we've said before, I can't. Every time that happens now, I immediately think of Family Guy. Eh? Eh? I'm, I'm loving the thought of that now. Like, I wish that was part of the film. Um, on the yellow piece of paper on which Ian, a.k.a. Sean Bean, was writing out the secret message contained on the pipe found on the Charlotte, there was drawn at the top of the page a Sheffield United logo that he doodled between takes and they decided to leave in the film. Loves it, loves his blades, don't I? Yeah, he actually asked the director if they could find the treasure in Sheffield, which was declined quite swiftly. <laughs> yeah, unsurprisingly. <laughs> this is one of the few movies where Sean Bean's character does not die. Wasn't there a thing, I don't know if it was true, that he started asking to be in like his contract if like you can't kill me in this film? because he was so sick of it just becoming like whatever was associated with him. Strangely, I, I don't know, but weirdly, I had it in my head before I rewatched this that he drowned. <laughs> it's just a force of effort with him, I guess. But no, I actually know what it is now. It's not uh, It's not him, it's Ed Harris, isn't it? Yeah. Ed Harris in number two drowns. Ruin that for anyone that might watch the sequel based on this pod. Oh yeah, my bad. Um, Ed Harris doesn't drown. <laughs> Uh, Diane Kruger did most of her own stunt work in the car chase scene hmm. Ben Gates aka Nicolas Cage wears a Rolex Submariner date diver's watch which has a price of $8,550 it's 
He uses it as collateral in the clothing store to inspect a $100 bill with which he just paid. Doesn't have his values right. Well, I mean, the treasury fine is probably worth a little bit more than yeah. a grand. $10 billion. Mm-hmm. When Ben is investigating the dead-end treasure room near the end and discovers the keyhole for the Charlotte pipe, a few bars of the underscore were taken from the set of the Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl. Both are Jerry Bruckheimer and Walt Disney projects. Nice. Recycling. So what I was referencing before, essentially this was going to be sold as a uh, touchstone pictures project, first of all, for the whole time through filming. They finally got kind of the final cut, and I made, maybe made it sound like it was even more of an adult film. It just wasn't mm. going to be seen as like a family adventure film. But when they got the final cut and they saw that it does work as such, that's when they rebranded it to be a Disney film because for marketing, for marketing purposes, that's the best thing you can have in front of your name when you're giving it to the cinemas. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. And finally, the one that spun me above all of them, the Liberty Bell shown in the movie, you can picture that in your head, yeah. was made of styrofoam. Styrofoam? Yeah, and it made me think of those thing, those that thing on Twitter where everything was a cake. <laughs> I don't understand how that styrofoam. I went back and looked at it in the film. <laughs> it looks metal, I don't understand. Yeah, that is mental. Um, they actually hadn't installed that Liberty Bell at that point, so yeah, they had to make a styrofoam version, which they used, and uh, there you go, the Bell mm-hmm. styrofoam. So that is actually all the trivia there is for this one. There was a, a real lack of it. Um, I suppose a lot of trivia is a lot of what they mentioned in the film is historical yeah. trivia that they they actually say in the film, don't they? So. Yeah. Um, so I, I messaged you when I was watching this last night that I've been a bit worried to watch this. We'd done other films previously that perhaps hadn't, hadn't aged as well on the rewatch as uh, we thought they would, um, basing on how we felt about them when we were younger. Um, I would say around the time of when they take the Declaration of Independence, that was the point as he's making his way through into the lift where I was like, okay, I'm fully invested here. Um, a very, he he uh, steals it with like once he's got it, it's fairly easy to get it out of there. So, what I wrote down in my notes while watching was um, right from the jump when the declaration is mentioned and the idea of stealing it, they all assume it's just a foregone conclusion that they'll be able to do with ease. Like Sean Bean says, he's gonna, he's just going to take it. And uh, your man Doug from The Hangover is like, we can't let him do this. He's going to take the Declaration of Independence. And then the second Nicolas Cage decides, you know what, we're going to beat him to it. There's never any hint as to which they even consider the possibility they might not get this. They're all just fully, like, the confidence is astounded for what they describe as one of the most protected things in the entire world. (laughs) What do you mean, like Sean Bean's crew? Well, both of them, like, at the point where once Nicolas Cage decides they're going to take it first, they don't even consider the fact that they might not get to it. And then Sean <laughs> Bean's character is just like, well, we're just going to take the Declaration of Independence and the other side's like, they're definitely going to be able to get it if they want to. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Well, Riley, They trust each yeah, other's skill set. Riley's the only one who has a bit of a, like, you can't do it, doesn't he? Yeah. Also, in terms of things that are stolen, Ben Gates is gets slept on in terms of heist conversations. 
So while robbing a bank and all, do you steal the Declaration of Independence? Uh, I was thinking yeah, about yeah, how this right. true. could fit into the next bracket uh, if we do it the way we're going to do it in my head. Yeah. Ben Gates actually gets slept on. People talking about Danny Ocean and the town and stuff. Sort of well and good doing a post office, but these go and, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's the Declaration of Independence, for fuck's sake. What do you think about the opening scene in this one? So to open up, we get a, we get a flashback to 1832 and a kind of classic grandpa telling the story to his grandson, and it's moist kind of as we see it playing out. Good or good or bad? Does is does that? I know you are both uh, you are both big fans of the start of the Mummy, which maybe in terms of the rest of the bracket, this is the the yeah. biggest comparison we can do. Does it reel you in in the same way, or do, are you far more reeled in once you see the older Nicolas Cage and they're trying to find the treasure? I um, think. Sorry, should go on, mate. Uh, honestly, yeah, I, I I like it. It it, it reels me in. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if bias is the right word, but so I do. Re- I I like that area of history. I I, I like American history, presidents, <laughs> etc. So that um. I love the idea of you being biased to 1832, like you're a big 1832 <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, don't talk about the 1900s, because I'm quite biased here. <laughs> it, reel, it reels me in because I know about that era of, of history and enjoy it and like it, as opposed to, I don't know if that would, like, reel someone in if they didn't. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it gets me in. like it. And then, yeah, yeah all that, because even the element with, obviously, the, the young and the granddad and so on, so... Yeah, it gets me hooked. I don't like criticising kid actors, but as someone with a see uh, it GCSE drama, I do feel like I've got some kind of acting chops to reflect on. I think he overacts a bit, that kid. Like, there's being all in. Like, he's got tears in his eyes as his granddad's telling the story. Like, he is this hooked. Turn it down a little bit. Fucking hell, look, he's just attacking a kid out of nowhere. <laughs> Well, I said I feel, I, feel, I feel like I've got the chops. Um, OK, moving swiftly on, or moving swiftly backwards to your question. Um, I don't know about reels me in, but the alternative of having it explained through the film, which I suppose they do anyway, but in sort of the explained in flashes through the film and for like exposition purposes, it, I, I actually don't mind the fact that, bang, this is where you are. It's, it's what, three, four minutes to scene? It's not particularly long, is it? No, do do you think you lose anything if you start with Nicolas Cage out there in the the, the, the snowy settings looking for the ship? A little bit. Do you, May um, do you lose anything? I was more in from that than I was from the flashback. Well, not do flashback, I, but I, I, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I don't, I don't know. Don't know if you lose anything, but you need. It's just then you've got to put that in somewhere or otherwise there's no context to it. He's just looking for a ship. And you, so I think you, yeah, you yeah. need the, but you need some form of backstory. Then the Joe, oh, we've got the pipe. Yeah. Okay. For, for, for what, for, for what purpose? And I suppose you could do, you you, you can do it. Right? I'm just trying to think through the scenes in my film, bang, bang. And then maybe you drop it in when you get involved, when Sean B gets involved, when he puts it on him a bit. Yeah. And then you do it there and then you, why it's so important. Um, but I mean, for the sake of three or four minutes, mate, I, I don't no. think you lose. I, Joe, I don't think you don't. You definitely don't. Don't lose. Maybe you do lose something. For the sake of three or four minutes, it's bang. This is where yeah. we were. This is where we are now. 
I guess it does show his dad's feelings as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you do his dad's kind of disgusted with it, the idea that he's still kind of pushing this uh, kind of agenda. Um maybe I mean I don't want to sound too much like you here, but uh, I do love the snow. And uh, so the way that this is uh, set up Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage there I'm, I'm all in at that point I, I, I like the scenery it's an interesting line of attack from you <laughs> it's only borrowed um, yeah there we, I think that might be it I mean you, like I said about that all about the reason my main reasons for liking Everest as much as you've been scarred by that was uh, the settings and I, I did like that I liked that particularly while roasting watching it just seeing that snow and the, the the frozen territory it was nice to see do you ever watch recess when you were a kid we spoke about this in a chat the other day about how i'm very much like tj incorrect you know exactly who you're like what um, do you mean? I, I don't know what's gonna be worse here if you're gonna call me if you're gonna call me randall or gretchen <laughs> oh, uh, I was I was I was going to go far less far less intellectual, and you were going to be my man, oh. Mikey. Oh, that was the third option, probably a better option than Randall or Gretchen to be there. Randall is a great shout. You and that Rand- yeah, that phone of yours is essentially a notepad. Is essentially we agreed a in notepad. the chat the other day that uh, Sean would be Randall. No, <laughs> if I had to pick, if I was picking, did you, did you hear that laugh? Yeah, if I if I was picking teams genuinely and I had to pick one of you two to be, be my TJ, it would obviously be shoot. Sean doesn't have the leadership qualities. Respect, respect that, Keenan, respect. However, Sean doesn't but, have the leadership qualities. But you're very much Randall-esque with that phone of yours that records everything. Look, TJ schemes to get his way through things. That's what you got to do sometimes. Intelligently. Look, if we're doing Ed and Eddie, I'm Eddie. You're, you're Plank. You're Double D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I only know I know the, I know the bit of wood from the memes. I, the TV show means nothing to me. Plank, wow, Plank. It's is that great, not what it's called? It's the great, yeah, it's, it's the greatest kids' cool, cartoon yeah. ever made. Um, that simply can't be true. What What would you put above it? Well, I've not watched a lot of it, but I just that can't be true. Closest contender, probably Dexter's Lab. <laughs> when you told me that you used to get compared to the bloke out of that earlier <laughs> the other no. day. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a regular thing. That was what made it so out of bounds. There was the thing on Facebook where everyone had to, uh, well, not had to, set your display picture as a cartoon character. I went for Johnny Bravo, and some kid who I believe was the same age as us, but knew me just from seeing me in the co-op, basically. Then just out of nowhere, not even under the picture, by the way. Wrote on my Facebook wall. Don't know why you got Johnny Bravo as your picture. Should be Mandar from Dexter. Mandar, that's it. I couldn't think of his name. Uh, I did use like Dexter's Lab. Recess, obviously, much better. No, um, I used to like the classics. So I was really. If you're going to Disney go Channel for your cartoons, you got it wrong. <laughs> it's all about Cartoon Network. Yeah, exactly. I just can't see Ed, Ed and Eddie. That's dying it for me. I like Johnny Bravo. Carried the cowardly dog. No, I never liked that. Did you yeah, like Johnny Bravo, to be fair? It was uh, the show now, but you know, Dick Dastardly. Wacky Racers. Wacky Racers, yeah. That's, I that's, believe that was, was Cartoon Network and went across to Boomerang, I think. 
unbelievable. Um, used to be a big fan of that. Scooby Doo. Yeah. Scooby Doo. Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, probably the goat, actually. Wow. Yeah. I'll say that now. You take Looney Tunes over Tom and Jerry. No, you don't. You do. Don't try absolute whop. Tom and Jerry, nah. Tom and Jerry. Looney Tunes is up there as well. I like a bit of dialogue. I mean, if you're you're far more easily pleased, clearly. Tom and Jerry does it for you. And Ed, Ed and Eddie is the pinnacle of intelligence. Well, yeah, you've got uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie there, talking you talking you through farming with his blue hair. You've got Plank and Johnny. You've got Nas. Jo- the who the fuck's Johnny? <laughs> Johnny's the one that owns Plank. I thought Charlie was called Ed. Yeah, Plank isn't one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd say. I mean, never I really gave it a watch. I think you're out of bounds here. I don't think I am. I can just tell by looking at it and clips from memory it was shit. You're talking to a man that still watches the Ed and Eddie Christmas special every year. Well, that says more about you than it does me, mate. Because it's timeless. No, sir. You don't see me watching the Recess Christmas special. I don't know if they made one. The Recess film. I watched it a few years back. Uh, the recess film was Red Hot. James R. Woods coming in as the villain. His name is my name too. What a tune. Mm. Exactly. One is the loneliest number. Oh, I didn't Cause... say I disliked it. I just said it's not quite Ed and Eddie. I still I think mean, you're if, wrong. If, if, you, if your cartoon choices were based around Disney Channel. It's only one I can really remember. Um, well, but anyway, 10-minute di- diversion. What I was going to say is... Apparently... I'm going to use a word... <laughs> You can't use any. No, I, you can't say what I was going to say. We'll move on. Okay. Go on. Uh, what I was going to say is the, apparently the visualization technique of imagining you're somewhere cold is due is actually supposed to work. It's not working for me. I can tell you that for free. No, I'm just saying that was what made me think of recess because that's what he does. It's like, look, I'm just picturing I'm skiing. I'm a little bit cooler now. Yeah. Power of the mind. So that opening scene though. Where you have the little, where you have the little standoff, Nicholas Cage, lighting a flare in his hand, Sean Bean. I mean, I think we've seen in films plenty of times where they tell they tell you, if you're going to point a gun at someone, be prepared to use it. And Sean Bean used to know the minerals, does he? No, I know. I I often think oh, when I'm watching a film like and TV TV shows, it happens more. It's my biggest annoyance. Yeah. Um, just like I understand you, it kills the story of fucking like ninety percent of the stuff we talk about. <laughs> However, just look, just do him. If you're ready, if if you're there for it, and the prize is on the line, just get rid of him and then just move on. At least get rid of Doug. Like, just shoot him in the leg. All you need is Nick Cage, Justin Bertha. Disrespectful. What? Do you think it was disrespectful when I asked him for an interview? I didn't mention National Treasure. Um. No. I like this film, but no matter what, what he does, he's essentially going to be Doug from The Hangover, which well, is incredible considering his screen time in the first two. Well, is... This is <laughs> yeah. my thing. So, you know, our question that we always built up in season one that we were like, look, if we can find out the answer to a question, it's why isn't Oz at the, at the wedding mm. for American Pie? Uh, I've always wanted to ask Justin Buff and say, when you found out they were doing a sequel and you finally get the script, you must be a bit disappointed. Like, look, they're writing me out the night out again. 
Like but he's got to think at that it point. Is, it is a strange one, isn't it? Like that. Surely there must be something somewhere because obviously the the main part is Teddy, isn't it? And find Teddy in the second one. So I don't know. Yeah. Why he can't be? Do you think they just? I guess they don't want to break well up the it, chemistry. Well another cooking. Yeah, how well it how well it worked with the three. But then obviously it still works when there's four of them in the early part of the film. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one. Yeah. Especially when he's reading on and he's like, come on, Mr. Chow's getting more run out than me. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely just think come the second one, they just didn't want to take any screen time away from any of the big three. For sure. But do you think that he, when he gets the script, knows that? That's my question. When he opens the script up, does no. he think, I'm going to be cast aside again? Because essentially, no, 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 no. his character goes to bed, doesn't he? That's, that's why he's not part of the mad hangover. He takes yeah. himself off to bed because he has a headache. Because he's a bitch, basically. <laughs> that's all that so is that, in number that's two. That's literally my question. Like, did you, you've got to have been a bit fuming. I'd have, I reckon he threw it. Genuinely, I reckon he right, right, got to the end. Because he must, because the thing is, because you don't know. No. Because like, he must be getting like, I don't know how I say the script is 200 pages in. He must be 100 pages in thinking, right, well, I'm, I'm not passed out this time. Yeah. I've got to be used. It's like the sub waiting to come on. Like, he's done his warm up. He's just waiting and waiting. Like, it, well, he's, he's said he's subbed in as the wife. Like he takes over as the wife from the first one, where he's just on yeah. the phone. Yeah, but he's after that. He must be like, well, look, they're in trouble now. They they know they can reach me. They know I'm safe. Like, <laughs> I, I'm here. Like he's waiting to get on the pitch. He's looking at the gaffer. He's looking at the assistant. Going, come on, give me the run out. And it just Imagine don't come. Doug on the paper and it ends up being Black Doug from the first one and he's just punching the wall like come on what are you doing to me he, there must have been some angry phone calls after that <laughs> unless you never know they might have just been like yeah look you we know we know we know the script but we need you for because he's actually he isn't is he, he, he I know he's there to make that phone call but he's actually just not needed in the second film he puts down the script after reading the second one and he picks up his phone and he's like, Nick, come on. Any chance of speeding through National Treasure 3? I can really, <laughs> really do it a favour here. Get it back on. I need some screen time, man. So what I read today was once they finished the second, they believed there was going to be a third. Yeah. And then they sit down for a meeting with Disney and Disney basically tell them, like, we, we don't think this is a franchise. Like, look, done a good two films. We don't see this as being something that you can extend. And that's the final conversation they have about it. Which I think is mental. Because, I mean, given that these films are made in the 2000s, there's a lot of history they could have put, they could have picked from. I mean, you've even, you've got a hundred and even if you just go from the point that America as we know it was established. Typically as well, like if you don't see it as being like franchisable, you probably don't get the same guys back for the second film and you do it more than National Treasury is the concept rather than the characters. Go the American pirate. Yeah, like doing it, doing a sequel with the same characters suggests that you do see it having legs in it. Like it seems weird to do the second one. And I'm not saying it would have been a blockbuster, the third one. No. But surely by doing the second, you feel there's some faith in it. And unless someone can tell us wrong the second one didn't bomb to the to the point where they're like look this isn't this is the money maker for us maybe maybe they had higher expectations for the second one these sort of thing yeah i'm just reading the trivia on it now that uh it could come mm. it, that, i think that's one where 
if you look at who says it, it's typically the directors rather than anyone in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's all like directors and producers. Because uh, other than Nicolas Cage, none of them really kicked on like the director has been doing TV since about 2005 and more as a producer than a director. I directed The Meg with uh, Jason <laughs> Statham. That's your type they... of film, isn't it, really? No, not for me. <laughs> and he did um, Last Vegas, the one where it has the script to be, uh, the cast to be a success, but nobody really cared about it. I really like it. Well, there's a sequel for that coming, if you didn't know. Uh, I didn't. I think that's too much. They're yeah, like, they they are actually too old now. Maybe not Michael Douglas, but the others are. Yeah. There you go. Um, if we go back to the scenes, so stealing the declaration. This is your typical heist scene, isn't it? Yeah, quite simply, the earpiece in, and you kind of have the cut screens going back and forth, even sometimes both on screen at the same time, just as you're walking through the soundtrack builds up where you're there like there's nothing out of the ordinary about it but it is done really well yeah yeah the music's done quite well in this film even just as they as the second team are coming in and you don't know which door they're opening until they kind of pan out mm-hmm. the one that they're getting in the classic you come too far to not finish what you're doing and everything about it, it it has you hooked if if you're giving the film the time of day I'm not kind of treating it as an easy watch and kind of just kind of flicking up. Then you you are tense watching that scene, aren't you? Yeah. I assume you're on board too keen in there? Yeah, very much so. Do you think it's it's classic kind of uh, film play here? Because Diane Kruger, I forget her character's name, Abigail Chase. Nick Cage doesn't do much to charm her in this and then kind of out of nowhere they're just a thing uh, it gives her the coin that's a big yeah, thing yeah the coin yeah but at that point she she then goes back to not trusting him and wanting to hand him into the police yeah but it's there that's just planting seeds isn't it yeah I mean do we know if she got a cut did she get a 1% at the end of the film uh, I assume they just got 2% no, because they're together got... at that point they all they share they're all sharing one percent aren't they? I don't think I think they get one percent each. Hundred mil each, you reckon? I think Sean's closer to the money. Yeah, I think they all share the one percent because he's like they could have they offered you ten percent, ten percent. And yeah, it's like well I sit here on the share of one. Yeah, I think pretty sure they all share one percent. Thirty-three mil. I know that's a, I know that's a lot of money and it's like a disgraceful amount of money. If I'm if I'm Doug, I'm genuinely annoyed. With this with this scene, um, guards are tasered rather than capped. Do you think this is you keep it nice and PG? Look, we know our audience here. Yeah. Most yeah, of the heist films, the the guards are just collateral, aren't they? No witnesses. Was there just the one death? Right. Um, yeah. From, I can't uh, whatever his name think is. Think of anyone. Felt falling down the stairs. What's his name again? Keenan said it earlier, but Doug? you know he said about he you know he said about he died in the first one. Oh, uh, sure, I sure. Can't think of the guy's name. Yeah, sure, that's it. That's it. Is. I think I appreciated this more, Keenan, having watched Pulp Fiction recently. Really? Your man Winston, your man Winston Wolf being the Sadusky. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's Harvey Keitel. Please be respectful. Right. Is he not? You Google his name, it says known as Winston Wolf. It's Harvey Keitel. Mm. I feel like you might be in the minority more so there. Then that's an indictment of the world we live in. Ask, uh, ask Sean what his mate knows John Malkovich as. <laughs> what does your what does your mate know John Malkovich has? <laughs> Pascal Savage from, from Johnny English. <laughs> well, that's disrespectful. Uh, yeah, yeah. At least you picked a good film. Um, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. We've got the car chase that we've got the car chase that follows on from this. Is this like you said about kind of the formula that, that we have at Marvel and that you know what to make a success? You're doing a kind of host adventure film, you need a car chase in there. Is this tick in the box? Yeah. Uh borders on if it they would have gone because you like you said earlier, it wasn't the way, but when you said when you said sort of it wasn't always going to be a kids film, yeah. I thought you meant it would be sort of an adult like an adult version. If they do that, it, this would be an action film. Yeah. So the thing that stops it from being an action film is the restrictions that it's put on it by its rating. Yeah, yeah probably fair. What do you know, John Malkovich has, Sean? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Keep cutting out. Hang on. I'm cutting out. Is he stalling for time so we can get a Google on? Yeah, so I'm not getting out. No, I can hear you fine. That's right then. Yeah, he's definitely having a Google. Hello? Sean, come back here and face the music. Can you hear me now? Yeah. We can hear you the old time. We know you're stalling <laughs> for time. <laughs> I'm not stalling. What do you know John Malkovich as? I know John Malkovich from Con Air. Good answer. Cyrus the Virus. That's what comes to... Yeah, that's what comes to, to my mind. I mean, outside of... Outside. Uh, he um, is Teddy in Rounders. For those yeah. of you who haven't seen it, make sure you watch it. It's a fantastic film. Uh, Teddy KGB. Yeah, uh, John Malkovich is actually an acceptable answer because, of course, he's in the film Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich, Being John Malkovich. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, isn't he in that film... Is he in the film Red as well? Yes, he's, he is, yeah. And Red 2. Yeah. And then Red 2, which I famously ruined for Byron, apparently. What How? Yeah, I don't know so this you remember, either. Oh, you, you, you did. You used to slate me for ages because I told you about the ending to Red 1, I think. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I thought you meant yeah. like there was something in the film that like, really oh, like, no, stuck with no. me. No, 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 so I jumped straight to watching Red 2 at the cinema with you. Yeah, that was it, yeah. He, he was also in the 1992 of Mice and Men as Lenny. He was Lenny, you are correct. And Gary Sinise was George. He's also in Dangerously Asians. Don't think either of you would have seen it, but just for the records, he is in Dangerous Liaisons. How? What was that title again? Dangerous Liaisons. I thought you said Dangerously Asian. <laughs> no. Liaisons. <laughs> what kind of film is this? Um, he, yeah, he, he's in, he is in that with uh, Meryl Streep. <laughs> Easily confused. Um, the car chase. Nick Cage doing the classic switcheroo. I kind of didn't ever really suspect that he'd handed it over when he's saying drive. Um, yeah. 
the, the next scene I had down, well, the last scene I had down, and then you can add any, any more, was uh, the splitting up to escape. Always good when you have the kind of going through the crowd and them trying to escape and just the kind of cat and mouse of the scene as long as it lasts. Especially mm-hmm. the uh, woman saying, you're going to hide here as long as you want and giving some jip to the uh, guy having to go down, saying, I'm not surprised you uh, divorced him. Yeah, fair. Um, in terms of, I was just trying, sort of trying to think of any other scenes put in there. Um, it's cool the, the, when they actually uncover the treasure. It's it is a very good scene. Yeah, when uh, someone's got to go to jail. Not quite. Uh, you want to go home? You want to go to jail? <laughs> you want to go to jail? Any... You want to go home? Sorry. I did have a note from the lemon juice scene in that I understand we're 2003 when this is being filmed. The effects aren't great as for the text appearing as they breathe on the paper. It's like something out of Harry Potter, the way the ink appears. Yeah, but yeah, it's there are bits that aren't going to age well. But... No, but it's, that's as computer-generated as it gets, rather than the slow uncovering that it's supposed to be. Yeah, no, fair. I know the letters are there. Is Nick Cage in the wrong for bringing the beef to his dad's door? Uh, yeah, absolutely. His old Even man... worse that he's not telling him even what's going on. Yeah, it keep keep shtum about the old Declaration of Independence and all till he walks in on him. It's disrespectful. Um, yeah, he's absolutely in the wrong. His old man sets out a set. He sets his stall out early from minute one. He wants Sean nothing would, to do with it. Sean, would you bring beef to Sean's door? <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't bring beef to Sean, Sean, Sean's door, no. But he's kind of forced into it when he has to pay for the the copy in the shop, doesn't he? Because then they have his car details, and then they'll then they'll they're going to figure out who it is. So yeah, so it's even actually, worse that they know who he is, so he actually goes straight to his dad's house. I will say, yeah, he does sort him out though, doesn't he? He sorts him out by yeah. tying him up. I will say, absolute novice mistake. Um, if I'm committing, like, I'm not not planning on committing a crime. But if I'm committing crime, I'm always going to have some cash on me. At that point, he's that close to the exit. He can just leg it if he really wants. I know it kind of defeats the point, but maybe it's, they're looking for the stealthy. guy who stole a souvenir rather than the guy. Yeah, I mean it's less stealthy when you then paid your own card. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, but the he, point he, being, yeah. he he wants to sneak out. But yeah, I he thinks he's getting away with it still at that point, doesn't he? Yeah. Novice. Novice. If it wasn't for those. Beans. <laughs> it's, a, it's a novice it's an amateur mistake I don't understand how you if you're going to like any crime just have cash yeah. on you yeah that's why Keenan's the free man to this day he knows what he's doing just saying should we go on to the uh, categories so this film uh, two hours ten minutes long Keenan what do you think for rewatchability um, I actually just really like this film I hadn't seen it in a very long time, but I did tell you before that I was a fan. It turns out I still am. Sean, rewatchability, what do you think? Uh, yeah, very rewatchable. I've watched it loads of times. I can watch it again. I can watch it again in a week. I, I, want, to, I want to watch the second one again soon. I'll probably watch the second one tonight, actually. Um, yeah, I think, I think they're really rewatchable. Yeah, I agree. I agree it's rewatchable. Um, got enough set pieces in there to keep it interesting. Um, I'm not sure it's as rewatchable on the easy watch side, mainly just because I think 
to enjoy the film, you do kind of need at least to be in the film kind of thing, not kind of on the uh, peripheral. But in terms of a film, it, it seems hard to judge it against how good it is when you're not paying attention. So I'm not meaning to do that. Um, but yeah, I think it's rewatchable in the point of you're picking a film to sit down, watch for the evening. Yeah, I think it's uh, rewatchable in that aspect. Um, Keenan, what do you think is the best moment slash scene of the film? Probably the car chase, mate, if I'm honest. Yeah. I'm not too sure, and I'm not sold on that, but uh, yeah, I, I, that would be my answer, but I'm not convinced on it, of it. Sean, is there an argument that Nick Cage's dad is the MVP of the film? <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's an argument for that. No. no Sean, I think Sean, Sean being MVP? Blimey. He's the catalyst. Well, He's an awful it. villain. Without him, nothing happens. He does I just about everything wrong. For, I'd say there's an argument for Riley. He's too timid to be MVP. Maybe, but hey, he, he does. Without him, they don't get the Declaration of Independence. No, but he's, yeah. he's, he's a rare case of the brains of the operation without really being the brains. Like, he's a guy that's good on computers more than he is kind of the whiz kid of the operation. Yeah. Well, so he does know that one thing, doesn't he? About daylight computers. Yeah. Um, which also, the, the, the clue doesn't work there because depending on the time of year, then the answer is different with the clue. Um, True. So that's a rare misstep there. All right, let's do the judging. Keenan, we'll start with you. Which film did you prefer? Um, Jesus, I didn't expect this to be this hard. Thor. No. National Treasure. Sure? Yes. Uh, That's yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to start talking. You're going to change your mind again? I can't guarantee it, but please continue. Sean, which did you prefer? Uh, National Treasure. I, I preferred Thor. Um, Keenan, which did you think was more rewatchable? Uh, I, I, sorry, I can't speak. Thor. I realise that's counterproductive to all the things I've said in the last, or counterintuitive to the last three things, three minutes. You said Thor was the most, the Marvel film you've watched the most. Yeah, Yeah, I also think it's the most rewatchable one. And I would watch, I think there are more moments that are, there are, moments in thought for the most part that are easier just to sit and watch whereas i could i would be more likely to casually watch thor whereas national treasure if i put on genuinely i'm just all into it um sean which do you think is more rewatchable yeah. uh all good points uh for me based on what i've said it would be national treasure but i do agree that 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 four probably is the most rewatchable marvel film but i would say national treasure it's it's Thor for me, but again, closer than I considered it to be before coming into the week. Yeah, in terms of preference, it's National Treasure is, it does have the advantage of a ridiculous amount of nostalgia. So I, I watch... thought in my head this was a blowout coming into the week on my scorecard, not on the collective scorecard. Yeah. Um, but it's far from that. No, um, d- Keenan, what's your favourite moment slash scene across the two films? Probably it's the car chase from. Uh, it, yeah, it would be the car chase from National Treasure. Sean, what about you? Uh, for me, it is 
that one as well. Close one uh, I had with the Hole and Hulk and Four Arena, but I went for the car chase. Oh, yeah. I my case earlier. Meeting yes, Korg for the first time. <laughs> Takes my pick. Maybe one of my favourite scenes in the bracket, actually. Um, Keenan, again, to you. What do you think is the best quote across the two films? Any of the quotes from Korg, essentially. <laughs> Sean, what about you? Yeah, I suppose we haven't done... Um... We can we do National Treasure quotes if you want, if you've got any yeah. to reel off. Uh, I do like, because you get the payoff at the end as well, I do like The Secret Lies with Charlotte. Because um, obviously that's right at the start, and then that obviously leads to the key at the end as well. Um, so I do like that one. And then Riley with his Byronism, um, where he says, like, I'm still a little on edge from being shot at, but I'll be okay, thanks for asking, when Gates mm-hmm. is actually asking Chase. Um, what the hell's that about? I think like when is that's the kind of thing that you would do or you would say. I wouldn't be in that situation. <laughs> uh, no, but you are you are very bitchy, so I do see what yeah. Sean's coming from. Yeah, I'm <laughs> then, quite uh, today, actually. Where he says, uh, "You uh, you did it, Ben. You did it for all of us." Um, from obviously the 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 granddad. I thought that was quite cool. The granddad, the dad. Um, yeah, I quite like that one as well. But. Overall, uh, quote-wise, Patrick Gates, that's it, isn't it? Uh, overall, quote-wise, yeah, it's the just a little rock, paper, scissors joke for you. I'm called. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for me as well. Although I did like uh, Riley referencing the uh, same way they built the pyramids in the Great War of China. The aliens helped him. What's next? Keenan, who is your MVP? Nick Cage, big man Ben Gates. Sean? Uh, ben Gates. Yeah, I also uh, agree. As, as much as Thor does accomplish, he doesn't save his entire planet, which is somewhat of a black mark against your name, I feel. Also, I realise the stakes are much higher in Thor, like, for everything that's going on. But he does have the Hulk. I feel like a lot of things in life, no matter the stakes, are just easier if you have the Hulk. Or stakes, you know, he... They could have done with Banner, though, Cage for a significant going, part of it. Cage is going down for a long time. The yeah, Pete. Independence. Sean, Sean being is trying to ice him for a little while, and then it turns out yeah. he ain't got it. So, yeah, but, I mean, Ben Gates, Riley, Diane, uh, Diane Kruger. We're not on difficulty three or yet. Four. No, calm down. Well, next after this one. Um, Keenan, who's the best side character? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Sean? Uh, my man, Korg. I can't believe Keenan has gone against Korg there. Uh, he's in it. He's in it a fair bit. And he's the thing you remember. So I he's, do like... When, he's, uh, he's a side character. Goldblum is a good shout as well. When um, he gets offered the uh, stick again, and he's like, they just spoke over me. <laughs> That's not a punishable offence. <laughs> it's not a vaporisable offence. <laughs> yeah. I was um, like, um, where she's like, oh, the slaves, the slaves are around. He's like, oh, I don't, don't, don't like that word. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keenan, difficulty of adventure. Thor. Sean. Four. Yeah. Nicholas Cage is much as the adventure difficult. 
Thor does have to do the whole the, space the, travel. The world but... isn't, yeah, the world isn't going to end if he doesn't uh, accomplish his, or no one else is going to get hurt. I think the um, adventure is actually more difficult in the second one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one's Keenan. really good, you know. Yeah, Which is. film has more visual appeal? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Sean? Uh, Thor, yeah. I agree. Keenan, which film has the best soundtrack? Thor. Sean? Thor. I agree. Slim Pickens, uh, in terms of the soundtrack this week, I feel it's won mainly by... Led Zeppelin. Song, yeah. Um... Sean, uh, not Sean, sorry, Keenan, originality. Sean, are you tapping? No, it's not me. You were tapping, weren't you? I wasn't. Uh, originality. Um, I'm going to give it to four. Four, the 180 and the cha- all the things they change and changing the tone, giving more depth to the character, but changing the character and that we spoke about earlier in the pod. I do think, as much as so part of me thinks the Indiana Jones comparisons are natural, so they're always going to come no matter what they did as soon as they had a guy hunting for historical treasure. Um, yeah. But they are quite founded in this 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 particular case. What about you, Sean? Um, I've gone for I went for National Treasure. Any particular reason? Or? Uh, I can kind of I kind of see. Um, Keenan's point, but I think just because it was it's still involved in the whole Marvel cycle, and it's I know it's a slightly different, no, I get that. still kind of the same in some aspects. So, yeah, that's why I went for I guess a, I know there's obviously two films, but a standalone film as opposed to part of a franchise. No, I get that. Uh, I actually went for National Treasure as well. Um, not even just the whole Marvel thing, just the, the feeling with Thor, I feel. In terms of originality, maybe compared to the two previous Thor films, it's original, but in terms of a lot of the Marvel films that are out around the same time when you do have your Guardians of the Galaxy, etc., um, I think you had the Guardians of the Galaxy either side of this. Then it doesn't feel too original then, and just in terms of uh, how I felt watching the two, I just felt like National Treasure was something a bit fresher, um, maybe because we did... Infinity War the week before, maybe that's gone against it. But and Black Panther, and Black Panther the week before. Yeah, even with National Treasure, like the Indiana Jones thing. Other than the critics' reviews, which I must say there were plenty of them, it didn't it didn't feel very Indiana Jones ish to me. Like there was no real attempt from Nicolas Cage or any of his side to be kind of brute forcey to try and force them out of the situation. They were going at it from the intellectual standpoint. They knew their limitations. It was, it just felt a bit, felt different to me. Mm-hmm. The, the mummy felt like far more of an Indiana Jones ripoff than this did. Fair enough. I wouldn't back. argue, but argue either way. The mummy on the rewatch, I'm still kind of scarred by that a bit. Fucking shite, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, Keenan, which film made the bigger impact? Ah, Thor. Sean? Probably Thor, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Keenan, best opening scene? Thor. 
Sean? Uh, National Treasure. You know, I'm a sucker for those kind of openings. And I made my thoughts on <laughs> National Treasure when they're clear earlier. And I, I did quite like the full one. I, 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 I like the uh, everything about it, to be fair. The opening scene. Um, best ending, Keenan? Uh, National Treasure for the, the actual ending. ending. Sean? Uh, National Treasure. I agree. I quite like uh, the kind of basking in their glory, leaving it open for the, oh, they're making us go to Cairo next week uh, to open another museum. But, yeah, it was a good way to end it, I think. Mm -hmm. Much better than if they'd ended it just with him kind of hugging his missus after he's not going to prison or then being arrested. Because it wouldn't be too different to the other films in the genre if it ended with him smiling and waving away Sean Bean as he's maybe like banging the police car window or something <laughs> puts, his, puts his arm around his missus and then says right what treasure are we looking for now music hit this was this was quite not, quite a nice way to do it um, and finally Keenan uh, which film had the better chemistry Thor sorry it's a really difficult week Sean Oh, this one is really tough. I think Gates, Chase, and Riley have all got good chemistry. I think Cage and Bean do have as well. But then you've obviously got Thor and Loki and Hulk. I can oh, put you out of your misery prob- and say I've gone Thor with this. Oh, right, yeah. So I probably would say Thor as well. To be fair. It's a strange strange thing doing this in a, in, a, in, a, in a close week. It's a strange thing when I'm not sure. Because I'll write down all my answers and have them ready to go. And as soon as you actually ask me the question, my brain goes in like eight different directions and I can just, I never can never think. The worst was asking Sean after you asked TK because you can hear the cogs in his mind going on mm. second guessing himself. <laughs> still not hey, over. I don't like to go I'm in still with a closed mind. Well, no, I'm still not over old school knocked up where you said, Luke Keenan, sell me on selling your pick. <laughs> <laughs> and then Keenan's pick still made no sense. And I won. <laughs> it made no sense. You were just talking. You were just saying words. And did I win? Yeah. It's not um, about. It's not about the ethically. Journey, maybe not. Because shit about ethics, I won. You I, got asked. I'm. I'm an ethical man. No, you're not. You are morally and ethically bankrupt. <laughs> did you see the text I sent you? No, not yet. So, I'm concentrating um, on the pod, you prick. Well, I was telling you what I couldn't say on the pod earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. um, Thor does go through to the next round. It wins 9-5 uh, against National Treasure. Next week, we're away from Marvel, but the uh, sci-fi genre doesn't go anywhere as we have Independence Day against Apocalypto. <gasps> Oh, so very different ends of the spectrum in that one is supposed to be high, as high tech as it gets, and the other one is the dawn of civilization. <clears throat> no, nor have I. So uh, we'll be going in fresh, and we only do only have two weeks until the end right. of uh, round one. So you say neither of you have seen Apocalypto? Nope. No. Oh wow, great film. We also Ooh, off air do need to decide. Uh, what we'll be doing wildcard week 
because uh, if it is tr- if it is unless he changes his mind that Jack isn't back until um, the next bracket, then we'll have three comes, wild cards. Of com- course, he comes back just for wild card, or we draft TK in for one wild card round. TK has been offered previously. Uh, essentially, I think um, we'll either pick one between us that we all like, or uh, or do a random, or we'll do uh, the highest pick, not in the bracket, basically. But we got a couple of weeks to sort that out, so that's a more of an okay. off. Can we sneak? Can we? Can do you think we can get out TK? Bring him back in for the wild card. I quite he's, like wild card. Be wild card. Every week that someone has dropped out, he's been offered. Um. So there's no. Uh, the wild card might charm him. So me and shoot ask because obviously you're not getting the job done. Wow. Well, maybe he just <laughs> thinks it's going to be. Maybe he thinks it's going to be me and you on the pod. You're not turning up. Um, or maybe he wants a bigger return and saving himself for a future bracket. Who knows? That's not a discussion for now. Um, last question to rattle through, uh, and we'll have a sub to our pod. Real star of the film for Thor Ragnarok. Cool, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Director comes out on top, he knew what he was doing. National treasure, Sean. Yeah. Is, is Nick Cage your main man? Oh, yeah, he is. Was he sunned by his bird? He wasn't sunned. He's still the main guy. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's him. Recasting one role, Keenan. Any that spring to mind for you? I'll probably do Bomb Justin Burford, to be fair. Wow. Uh, It's a bit like Ethan Hawke in Training Day. Just be any white bloke. It doesn't have to be a white block in this instance, to be fair. But as it is already, That's you so could just throw you could throw any actor in there. Justin Long to do to for Sean Shoot, as I know he's a fan. He is a fan, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what what do you do? You think there's something unique about him? No, I just think he oh, no. I think he play he plays a role well. But no, I didn't say he didn't. Um, I think you could get my guy Justin Long in there as well. Yeah, I do as well. I think, in fact, he'd be pretty perfect. So I sort of nervous energy. Possibly, possibly argue, could you get Seth Green in it? Seth Green be the Riley character. Too cocky. Too yeah, confident. Too cocky, yeah. He knows, yeah. He knows he's meant... Also, it's essentially what he does in the Italian job, isn't it? The Italian, that's what I was just thinking. The Italian job, yeah. Was, it, was he not another film that we did? Yeah, he was in Sex Drive, mate. No, there's what was he in um, <clears throat> the uh, Will Smith one? Uh, enemy of the state. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, is in, he, is, he is. an enemy of the state. Yeah, he's one of the CIA guys, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, Keenan suggested to me last night about bringing in Myra Hindley as Hella. <laughs> right, most of our audience isn't going to know who that is. <laughs> You are a fucking idiot. What? It's your just, suggestion, not mine. It's not, though, is it? Don't tar me with your sick brush. Jesus. You're asking for a lot of work tonight, Byron. <laughs> I'm going to put it down to the heat and let it slide. Well, as you know with me, Grafter never went to shy away from work. Sean, however, <laughs> Mr. Grafter, WFH. You have not done a day's work legitimately in, in the time yeah, I've known you. Yet. Oh, yeah, I've, been, I've been sweating away at work. Yeah, it's because there's no aircon. It doesn't mean you're actually working. <laughs> you sit, sit in a sauna, you're doing fuck all, but I can guarantee you'll sweat. Rough. 
Uh, it's come for me a lot, a lot this evening. <laughs> come on, you've enjoyed some of them. Um, I've enjoyed all of them, but it's nonetheless. Like the snow. Seems misplaced. Um, I, I turn a... up nine every week, put work in, help you where I can, where you'll let me, and they show you repay me. You. Come on. If the cast swapped, which film works best? Uh, do you I... want to see Nick Cage or Thor? I do not. <laughs> I do. I really do. I absolutely don't. I don't want to see Justin Bertha as the Hulk. I quite like uh, Nick Cage's Loki could work. No, he's too old. Mm, not, not sure. I think he's too old. It'd be weird. I don't want to see a 60-year-old man playing a trickster. Fair. Just look like a weird granddad at that stage. Yeah, I thought um, Tom Hiddleston was older than he is. Tom Hiddleston's not that old, mate. 40. But you've been harsh. Nicholas Cage is 57. Oh, sorry, 10% out. Oh, he's got a 26-year-old wife that keeps him young. That's even weirder. <laughs> it's his fifth wife, man. He's trying to find the right girl. Fifth wife, fuck a duck. Um, Christ alive. He said he realised he knew no wonder. his wife when he found out she loved flying squirrels too. Genuinely, no wonder he has done some of the shit he has over the years. Those divorce payments must be through the fucking roof. <laughs> Oh, um, Sean, if you had to add, if you had to add Hayden Christensen to one film and Christian Slater to the other, which would it be? Uh, Hayden Christian to four, Christian Slater to National Treasure. National Treasure. Yeah. Keenan, if you had to add Harrison Ford to one and Paul Rudd to the other, uh, I would put just put Harrison Ford into National Treasure and really see people lose their mind. Let him play Nick Cage's dad. Even though it turns out they're, they're not even that much older than not even that much older and younger than each other. Yeah, Harrison Ford in is the grandmaster. I feel like uh, Christian Slater could easily play Sandusky. Something like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Byron, because you always say that I slate him, you could put uh, Hayden Christian in as Doug. What? I, I mean, you have been particularly harsh on Hayden Christensen. Because <laughs> he's a fucking shy actor. At one point, I think you were digging him that much that you tried saying it was the reason you disliked Star Wars before backtracking. It's not the reason I dislike Star Wars. I never no, said but that you, you, you did. You said it last week and then backtracked almost immediately. Uh, maybe. Sometimes I get on a rant, you know. You know, I'm like, the words flow. Um, no, I, I said, did. I said, um, I was saying that you're arshing him. And I said, you slated him in Star Wars. And you said, well, look, look at maybe the reason I don't like it. Uh, he is shite in that. Um, he almost ruins. He almost ruins Jumper. No, that's too far. It's actually genuinely true. It's which, just vile. Which low-key piece of memorabilia would you take from the movie? Probably the pipe from National Treasure. I realise. Sean, I'm the taking the Grandmaster's coat. Declaration of, Declaration of Independence is not a low-key piece of memorabilia. <laughs> just hung up in the front room. Sound. <laughs> North of Pipe The Secret Lies that, that in terms of the rest of the film is low key I mean I can definitely hide that he's in uh, maybe not uh, yeah I could hide that he's in you can hide the Declaration of Independence mate. Right? I'm taking maybe the Grandmaster's the, uh, coat maybe the coins um, yeah, yeah I'd rather the coins I'd rather the coat from uh, four I don't really know well, finally if you had to make a TV spin-off series for In the World of Witcher films, which would it be? If it was a Netflix show. 
if it was a Netflix special of National Treasure, not like where it's a like a narrative series rather than self-contained episodes, I'm 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 in. Um, if they're building towards some over like ten hours, I'm, I'm definitely in. Uh, I've yeah, already mentioned. I think National Treasure could be a good one. I also already mentioned I wouldn't mind the four prequel where Odin and Helen yeah. are just fucking shut up. But also, I agree if they. I sort of agree if they get if they get Taika Waititi in, I'd I'd watch it. Not sure what they'd be doing though. What would they have been doing? We'll find out if it happens, but that should wrap us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. As I said, Independence Day versus Apocalypto next week, so tune in for that. We'll be back. Goodbye.